What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. It's the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. We are live on YouTube. Big hello to everybody watching us on YouTube, of course, but a big hello as well to all of our listeners, wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Hope you're all well. Looking forward to this episode, an episode in which we're going to look ahead to Arsenal's trip to the Netherlands, where they face PSV Eindhoven. Can Arsenal get the point they need to win the group and make the next Europa League game against FC Zurich a dead rubber. That's what we want. That would be the dream. Hopefully, it's something that we can achieve. Uh, Hello. How's it going? How's it going, people? Uh, Good to see uh, so many of you in the live chat. Good to see uh, you guys um, in good spirits in the chat. Lots of uh, fun and games in there. Uh, Trev wants me out. He wants uh, Mike Stavrou in. I'm trying to nail him down. We're going to try and do something uh, at least once a week and and pick a routine and stick to it. That is the hope. Uh, I literally just sent him a text message about two minutes ago. Uh, So hopefully we can get that done. Uh, Big hello to Lynn, to Sko, uh, to Steve, to Alejandro, who uh, is joining us live for the first time in a while. Hope you're good, mate. Welcome. Uh, Big hellos to uh, Nav, uh, to Fort Lauderdale, Guna Craig, to Alex, to Martin, to Johan, to bad boy and to everybody else in the live chat. Hope you're all good. Hope you're all well. Hope you've all had a great day so far. And what better way to round it off than with an episode of the Chronicles of Aguna. If I could just ask you before we dive right into the show to please leave a like on the video if you're watching us, subscribe to the YouTube channel if you're new around here. And if you're listening on audio, please do leave us a review. That very much helps as well. Okay, let's get into it. Arsenal's trip to PSV Eindhoven. A draw is all that's required for the Gunners to win the group and make it impossible for PSV to catch us. And we've talked at length on this show about the significance of winning the group this time around in comparison to previous years. It means so much. It takes a lot of pressure off of our schedule. It automatically frees you of the responsibility of playing two more games. Um, It also gives you an opportunity to dodge an additional round in which you could meet a Champions League dropout. So all the benefits are there. And when you think about that, and when you think about the benefits in the long run, if you do go on and win this group, you can understand why Mikel Arteta perhaps hasn't hasn't rotated, I beg your pardon, as heavily as maybe some of us would. Uh, if we were in charge of the team. The other thing you've got to factor in as well is that, you know, obviously Arsenal have been on a really good run, dropped a couple of points at Southampton at the weekend, not the end of the world. A little bit disappointing because the performance level in the second half was just not there. But I think overall, we'd all agree that it's been a brilliant start to the season. And I think Mikel Arteta has been really keen to kind of build on that momentum and, and continue the run we're on and feared maybe that if he made too many changes and that led to a disappointing result in Europe in midweek, that that could then have a knock-on effect and an impact 
when it comes back around to the weekend and Premier League football takes precedence. So I understand why he's done what he's done so far. But I think what we saw at Southampton at the weekend in the second half has prompted a lot of people to wonder if maybe we need to change it now. Maybe we do need to be a little bit more protective of some of our key players. Maybe we do need to be a little bit more protective of those that you would say are nailed on in the first 11. And um, and that's a fair opinion to have. We did look leggy. We looked tired. We looked fatigued. And, and that certainly contributed to our sloppiness, which contributed to Southampton finding a way back into the game. You know, it's, it's yeah, it's one of those things where maybe we've just come to that point now where Mikel Arteta needs to kind of look in the mirror and decide, you know, whether he's going to stick with what he's done so far and whether he sees the weekend's game as just a bit of a blip or if he sees a bigger issue, a deeper issue around the fitness of some of his key players and whether he thinks that he needs to, um, you know, to adjust his approach accordingly. Uh, Lynn in the chat says, um, the ref was a disgrace on Sunday. We'd be four points clear at the top had he done the right thing. And that's another really good point because we can talk about the fatigue, but would we be talking about the fatigue and that as a potential issue if Arsenal had won that game? Maybe it'd be an observation that we made and something we spoke about in passing, but it certainly wouldn't be the main focus of our conversation, perhaps as it is today. So you're right, the referee was a disgrace, that some of those decisions were shocking. Um, not giving us a penalty was mad. How some of those Southampton defenders got away with the treatment they were dishing out to some of our players is beyond me. But what you have to say is, you know, it is what it is. You, there's not much you can do about it now. In fact, there's nothing you can do about it now. And so what I prefer to do is not to dwell on that, but to focus on where we can be better. Because if we were better, if we were more clinical, and if we'd maintained the level of performance that we showed in the first half, in the second, then the refereeing decisions would have been a non-issue. So I'm not saying that we weren't hard done by. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be upset about it. I just think that you can get caught up in this kind of cycle of feeling sorry for yourselves. And I think Arsenal teams in the past have done that. And actually what you should be doing is sort of taking it on the chin and trying to take away the positives from that performance, from that result, uh, from that day. Try build on on maybe the areas that you weren't quite at the races and essentially focus on what you can control. I think that's really, really important. But you're right to, to talk about the referee because he was. He was dire, bloody bollocal. But the problem is in this division is that you hear around about this time of the week, right? Wednesday, Thursday, who's going to be officiating your game at the weekend? And it doesn't matter which name they throw at you. you. You don't have any confidence in any of them at the moment because the standard of officiating, as we spoke about earlier in the week, well and truly is in the bloody bin. Um, so, yeah, I don't take an awful lot of encouragement. So I guess, as I said, the question is, how much do we rotate, right? That's the big talking point going into this game. And I, I'm going to share with you guys my view. I'm going to show you guys the team that I would go with. I want to hear from you in the live chat as well. And if you're watching this afterwards, I want to hear from you in the comments section. But how much would you rotate the Arsenal side? I think given that we're at home to Nottingham Forest at the weekend, which, listen, Again, it just so happens like, right, we play Southampton after they've just gone and won at Bournemouth. We play Nottingham Forest now after they've just beaten Liverpool and their confidence will probably be at a higher point than it's been all season. 
So, yeah, we're unfortunate in that sense. But this is still a team, Nottingham Forest, at home. That if we have not just aspirations of winning the title, but aspirations of finishing in the top four, which is probably more about where I am, then you need to be dispatching of these teams at home. No question about it. What do I expect from Forest? Having watched them against Liverpool, I expect them to perhaps play a back three, back five. I expect them to try and hit us on the break like they did to Liverpool. I expect us to have a lot of the ball, but I think they'll be difficult to break down at times. And it's one of those games where you've got to stay patient. You've got to stay in it. You've got to make sure that you don't make any silly mistakes in your over-exuberance to go and try and win the game yourself. And um, and so, look, for example, we, we played Chelsea very soon. Had we been playing Chelsea on Sunday, my view on the team for Thursday might be different. I don't know what the training sessions have been like since uh, the game on Sunday. Have they been lighter than normal uh, as a sort of result of maybe seeing players sort of dead on their feet and struggling? Have they been more football-based than physical-based? I, I don't know. But for me, um, I don't think you can rotate too much. And the reason I say that is because... <coughs> I beg your pardon. Why am I sneezing? Um, the reason I don't think that you can rotate too much is because we don't have players that I look at outside of the first 14 or 15 and think can do the job and can do it to a sufficient standard. Now, I was really, really disappointed by PSV when they played at Emirates Stadium. Not disappointed in the sense of I wanted them to win the game or anything like that. But I'd sort of built them up in my mind as this free-flowing, attacking, brave, bold side who have scored a shit ton of goals this season. The statistics back that up and prove that. And I thought they'd come to the Emirates and have a right go at us, given that, you know, they wanted to put themselves in a position where they could potentially win the group. But they didn't do any of that. They disappointed me. They underwhelmed PSV Eindhoven. And I think I'm kind of caught in two minds now as to whether that's because we're a much better side than them or if it's because they had an off day. What I can guarantee is that there'll be much tougher opposition at the Phillips Stadion, I think, anyway. It's a difficult place to go. Um, it's one of those grounds that sort of as a kid growing up, you always looked at and thought, wow, um, I'd love to go there someday. Uh, you know, they're a, they're a big club. They're a historic club in, in the European kind of uh, landscape. And I don't think going away there is going to be easy. So I think we're going to have a tougher game from a defensive standpoint than we did against them at the Emirates last week. So, um, that you know, they can't possibly be as bad as they were then. So that's one reason why I don't want to rotate too much. The other reason is that, as I said already, I think, I, you know, and I agree with this view, I don't want us to be in a position where we've just been pegged back in a Premier League game and then we go in Europe and have a stinker of a performance. And then after that, the confidence or the the momentum has been disrupted and that can be impacted because you've, you know, you've changed too many players. So I think there are certain players that you can get away with playing. I think there are some that need to be left out. I'll come on to who those are in a minute. But I think the rotation, the rotational strategy has to be very similar to the one that we've seen applied throughout this Europa League group stage. And Look, the incentive is that if you go to Eindhoven and you get that point and we win the group, the game against FC Zurich is a free hit. And then you can play your Cedric Suarez's. Then you can play Nelson and Marquinhos if you want. 
You know, then you can play Matt Smith if you want to do that. You know, that's that's further down the line. And that is an opportunity that we might have if we get the job done tomorrow night. But first and foremost, we have to go there and we have to be difficult to beat. And so can you go in there and put a back line that includes both Holding and Cedric, for example, and expect to get away with that? These are all questions that you need to ask yourself. And, and so based on all of that, this is the team that I've come up with uh, to play PSV Eindhoven at the Philips Stadion tomorrow night. So my 11 is Turner in goal, back four of Tomiyasu at right back, Saliba holding at centre-back and Tierney at left-back. Um, that's because Gabriel's played a lot of football lately. What I'm trying to do, uh, as I always say, is, is try and balance the minutes, rotating them, etc., etc., um, so yeah, I think, you know, it's Saliba's turn, uh, for me, Lukonga will play in that number six role. Xhaka will play in the midfield alongside Fabio Vieira. And look, this is another one, right? Look, if, if Elneny was fit and available, I'd probably push Lukonga into an eight role and drop Elneny in the midfield. And I think you could probably get away with that because for all his limitations, Mohamed Elneny, he is defensively disciplined. Right. So that's what I probably would have done. The other thing is I probably would have played Emil Smith Rowe if I could. Um, you know, but again, he's another one that's unavailable. Zinchenko is unavailable as well. And what you end up with now is a, is a, you know, that, that's three players that could have been included and worked into this rotational strategy that we've seen from Mikel Arteta, and that mean that you can rotate more in terms of numbers without diminishing the quality too badly. But with those three those three players missing, I don't think we've got many options in some of these areas. For example, in the midfield, you know, take it back to the defence, actually, for a second. You could play Cedric Suarez. That's an option, right? You, you could do that if you wanted to. But go into the midfield, outside of, you know, Martin Odegaard, who you want to give a breather to, maybe he will play because he came off the other day, I don't know, last, what was it, last 10 minutes or something? I don't know. I, I just don't know. I don't think we've got an awful lot of options, um, you know, in that midfield area. And so the most robust midfielder we have, the one that I have the least concern over when it comes to fatigue and the potential of getting an injury, and I don't want to jinx that. I pray to God that I haven't jinxed that. Granite Jack is the one that you put in, right? Then you look at the front line and some people will say, you know, play Nelson, play Marquinhos, who, by the way, was absent from training today. It was reported Marquinhos, that is, uh, apparently wasn't involved in the training session. But that's too weak. You need at least two of the three. And I include Enketia in that, too. I think Enketia as a centre forward at this level in, in the group stages of the Europa League is good enough, is competent enough. Will he be later on in the competition? Maybe not. But at this stage, he's got to play. I trust him to play. But what kind of service would he get? Or what kind of link-up would there be? Or what kind of situation would we find ourselves in if we had a Marquinhos and a Nelson either side? Both talented players. But the weight would be weighing too heavily on Nketiah's shoulders. There'd be too much responsibility on him to deliver. And so he needs a Saka or he needs a Martinelli. And... Obviously, Saka started the other night um, against uh, PSV and then obviously played at the weekend as well. And so it's Martinelli's turn 
in my opinion. That's why I've gone with him. I want one of them in the team, in the starting eleven, And I think based on the minutes that they've both had in recent weeks, I think the option that you should probably take is, is that of Gabriel Martinelli. So let me just round off my starting eleven to face PSV Eindhoven in the Europa League is Turner in goal, a back four of Tomiyasu at right back, Saliba and Holding in the middle, Tierney at left back, Lekonga in the sixth position, the Partey position, Xhaka and Fabio Vieira ahead of him with Martinelli on the left, Nelson on the right and Enketia through the middle. Another interesting caveat and an interesting point is that I believe, like many, that actually Reese Nelson's best position um, is uh, is on the uh, is on the left hand side. But is he so good that you take out Gabby Martinelli for that? I don't think so. I think you've got to prioritise getting more out of Martinelli because he's more likely, in my opinion, to be a match winner. And so that's uh, my feeling on that. Um, yeah, I mean that that's it. I, I mean, I'm interested to hear from you guys. What do you think? Tell me in the comments. What are your thoughts? How would you uh, set up? How would you approach this? Bearing in mind that we've got that game coming up on Sunday early afternoon against Nottingham Forest. It's going to be interesting, isn't it? Let's see um, what you guys are saying in the chat. Um, Lynn says, I would leave Martinelli out, put Saka on the left and Jesus instead of Nelson. Interesting. Um, I just thought Jesus looked like he was blowing out of his backside in the latter stages of the game at the weekend. Um, you know, I, I honestly believe that that opportunity he spurned where we broke away in the second half and he was essentially threw on goal and got caught up by Mohamed El Yanoussi, I think a fit Gabby Jesus, a, a Gabby Jesus at 100%. I think he dispatches that. I think he scores. I honestly think that it just all caught up with him. Um, and, and, you know, we knew he had a bit of a problem after Liverpool. We thought he might miss a game or two. He didn't. He was back in the picture. He was back in the frame really quickly. And I think he's suffering a little bit. We also talk about with him the fact that he didn't play every game for Manchester City. And so it's an adaptation for him as well. Um, yeah, I, I, I want to rotate as much as possible. I want to give these players a breather as much as we possibly can. But I'm trying to find that balance between doing that and putting out a team that is competent enough to go and get the job that we need uh, done. Uh, Sko says, it's a trade-off though. We make sure of a point tomorrow. We can play fully second choice next week as the result won't matter and then have a fresh team versus Chelsea. Absolutely great point. Sko also goes on to say, I think the three points versus Chelsea is worth more than any risk of rotating versus Forest, if that makes sense. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, Diogene says, sending Pepe out without a replacement is strange. Now either Martinelli or Saka are overplayed. Yeah, you know, hindsight is a wonderful thing. If we had Nicolas Pepe now in this competition, I think he'd thrive. I think he's done notoriously well in the Europa League, coming in and out of the side. But the point here is that it's not just about what we wanted or what we think as a club and as, as fans. Nicolas Pepe wouldn't have been happy with that. He wouldn't have been accepting of that being his sole role, you know, just to come in the side in the Europa League games. And, and then when it gets to the business end of the competition, he'd be sidelined again. So I think that that played a part in there as well, you know, in, in Pepe's movement on. Um, again, I reference Emil Smith-Rowe because he could play in place of one of those two guys you've mentioned, Martinelli or Saka, if he was fit, but he's not. Nobody knew he was going to get this injury 
um, have to go through surgery and be out for a, a period of time. I think we all knew he had fitness troubles and we know that he's been struggling to, um, you know, to, to perform at the level required of late. And, you know, that's largely down to the fitness struggles, I would say, because he's undoubtedly a really talented player. But, you know, it's a player that we're missing and it's a player that could, as I've mentioned earlier, be a part of this rotational cycle, but isn't because he's unavailable. Nav says Nelson still hasn't impressed me, but I think he needs a chance as the others need a bit of a rest. Listen, I think that Nelson's got talent. I do. But for years now, I've been waiting for him to, to show us, um, you know, on, on the Europa League stage. Ultimately, that's where he tends to get his chances or tends to have had his chances in the past. And the same can be said in the domestic cups, particularly the Carabao Cup, the League Cup. But when he has played, and I know that it's not a big sample size, and I know that you can't always judge players when they're in and out of the side. Some people are just wired in the way that means that they need to play regular football and, and do something regularly to be at their absolute best at it. But having said that, although I appreciate all of that and although I, I fully acknowledge that, when he does play, does he have that wow factor? Do you look at him and think, my God, this guy really is giving... Mikel Arteta something to think about. I don't think he's done that up until this point. And he's running out of chances. You know, he's got probably, if he does play tomorrow, um, and he'll probably play against Zurich. And that'll be it for me. I think if he doesn't, um, you know, convince Mikel Arteta by then, then he'll probably be out in January. Uh, let's see what else we've got. Um, Steve says, Harry, disrespect the Prem at your peril. I disagree with you. Go hard for Forrest and Chelsea. Listen, I'm not saying that we shouldn't we shouldn't go hard against Forrest, by the way. Um, I, the point I was trying to make is that Mikel Arteta might take that risk, might feel that that's the way to go. Um, I think that you should beat Forrest regardless of whether you make two or three changes or not. But for the most part, I mean, I'll quickly run for it now. You know, obviously, we're not doing the preview show for Forrest just yet, but even based on the team I've picked for tomorrow, my team against Forrest would be Ramsdale, would be White, would be Saliba, Gabriel and Tierney. And then my midfield would be Partey, Xhaka, Odegaard and Martinelli, Saka and, uh, and Jesus up front. So I'm not saying disrespect Forrest. I'm saying that if we were away to Chelsea, if we were away to Spurs, if we were away to Liverpool, then I might look at, at the Forest game as an opportunity to rotate. Uh, sorry, I might look at this game as an opportunity to rotate, potentially get us over the line and get what we need done in Eindhoven, but also freshen us up for the weekend. But because it's Forest, actually that puts me off of rotating heavily. Um you know, and and means that the a lot of the players that are going to start tomorrow, um, I want to see them start against Forest as well, if they're people that would normally be in and around that first team. Uh, let's see what else we've got. Um, Lynn says, with regards to Jesus, don't you think he needs to start scoring goals again? He does, but I don't think he's going to get back to his best unless he's rested and gets back to his best from a physical standpoint. I think if he can get back to peak condition, then I think the other bit comes along with that. And I don't think he's at his peak physical condition at the moment. I think he's struggling a little bit 
and um, and we've got a big reliance on him and we can't really afford for him to pick up any sort of injury. So I'd be taking care of his health first and foremost, just me anyway, rather than worrying about sort of him getting back in the groove. He's a great striker. He scored goals throughout his career and he'll certainly return uh, to doing that sooner rather than later. Uh, Marcus says, Eddie is awful on the wing. So for me, Nelson has to play ahead of him in that position. I'm not referencing Eddie as a winger, by the way. I want Eddie playing through the middle. My wingers for tomorrow would be Nelson and Martinelli. Uh, big shout out to Casey, who says, Harry, I love your content, my brother. Thank you so much. He says, I think that Jesus needs a rest until Chelsea. He's played so many games and worked his socks off. We should be able to see out games without him, to be honest. Yeah, I wouldn't play him tomorrow. I really wouldn't. I really wouldn't. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, Marcus says, Patino and Balogun are doing bits right now. We should get them back in Jan. I don't know if you should bring them back in January because it depends what your role for them at the club will be. For example, in the case of following Balogun, right, you've got a young striker whose opportunities at Arsenal have been few and far between. He had a bit of a loan spell at Middlesbrough. I don't think it went amazingly. He was decent, but it wasn't amazing. Now he's gone to France and he's producing and he's playing really well. I think the benefit of him staying there and having an entire season whereby he performs and impresses, builds his confidence, grows as a player, grows as a man, grows as an individual. I think the benefit to that outweighs the benefit of him being your third choice striker because that's ultimately what it'll be. Gabriel Jesus was brought in as the number one. Um, you know, that's um, that's clear. Eddie Nketi has been given a hundred grand a week contract, so he's clearly the number two. So the only place for Balogun to slot in would be at number three. And I just think in the long run, you'll benefit much more from allowing him to stay in France and develop and push forward rather than bringing him back just in case you lose a couple of players to injury because he's not going to go in ahead of them, unfortunately. And as for Patino, the same. Patino needs to play football. He needs to keep growing. He needs to keep developing. Playing down in the lower leagues will help him from a physical standpoint. That's where I felt he was lacking the most. So I'm actually glad to see him playing at Blackpool, getting stuck in, getting involved um, and, and sort of experiencing the sort of, I guess, rougher nature of the lower leagues, but also being able to show what he can do from a technical standpoint, show his flair, show his class. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy and delicious breads, buns and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. And he's won over the Blackpool fans already, hasn't he? Brilliant stuff. Okay, um, just wanted to touch on a couple of other bits and pieces. Um, I know this is the PSV preview show, and we will take some of your questions uh, in just a minute or so. But, uh, yeah, so start putting them in, actually. If you've got any questions, start throwing them in uh, to the chat box. We'll take as many of those as we possibly can. But we're just going to take a very, very short pause. Pause. <laughs> 
Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. Right, just a couple of other bits of business and then we'll spend the remainder of the show taking your questions and your thoughts. So if you've got some, please do uh, drop them in the chat box, put a queue at the beginning and that will really, really help me um, in terms of picking them out much quicker and much easier. So um, the bit I wanted to touch on, Sergei Milinkovic-Savic links have once again resurfaced. They're from Calcio Mercato. Don't, don't get sucked in. Don't get sucked into um, to this again. You know, the transfer window isn't open. I'm trying really hard to stay away from the transfer window stuff at this moment in time. By the way, when November kicks in, we'll bring back our press review show where we'll scour the internet, the back pages for you guys every morning. And then I'll bring you uh, what's being said, what's being uh, discussed. And obviously we will discuss uh, those stories um, ourselves as well on the show. But it's always nice to just keep across what is being said, what is being written, what is being reported. That doesn't mean you have to buy into every single report. It doesn't mean you have to believe every single report. The Sergei Milinkovic-Savic stuff, look, he's a great player. I've talked about him before. I spent quite a bit of time talking about him over the summer as someone that I would love to see join the Arsenal. I think he'd be a great fit. But my God, where they get this stuff from, I don't know. First of all, to get Sergei Milinkovic-Savic, you're going to have to break the bank because Lazio are not going to sell him on the cheap. The player isn't really pushing for a move either, which means that they're in a position of strength. Lazio are having a really positive season as well. Things are starting to click for Maurizio Sarri. Um, at Lazio. So I don't really see there being an urgency on the players' part to move on. And I know that Lotito uh, of Lazio would certainly dig his heels in and demand big, big money. Are Arsenal going to spend money in January? I think they will. But are they going to go that big? I don't think so. I don't think it's a realistic target. Um, as much as I like him, I don't think he's on the cards um, because of how much he's going to cost. And it's, it's as simple as that. The other player I just wanted to touch on uh, is uh, Mikhailo Mudrik, uh, the Ukrainian winger, uh, who we've been linked with again quite a bit in the past. Again, it was thought that Arsenal had an interest in this player in the summer, but that never materialised into anything further because of Shakhtar being very clear about what they'd be looking for in terms of a price point. Arsenal didn't feel that that was something that they could do in the summer. Maybe they'll look to do it next summer. Maybe they'll try and do it in January. I really don't know. But one thing is for certain, this boy is an absolute baller. What a talent. Scored a cracking goal uh, for Shakhtar at Celtic last night. If you haven't seen it, uh, just either search it on Twitter or type it in on YouTube, uh, Celtic versus Shakhtar highlights. It was a superb goal. And it really kind of, um, yeah, it really kind of uh, propped uh, sort of uh, my interest up again uh, in Mikhailo Mudrik after we were speaking about him at times in the summer. Um, I did put a tweet out last night and I'll just read you uh, some of the responses to that around uh, the potential of Mikhailo Mudrik uh, being a Guno. I asked a question, in fact, because I know look, I know that there are a lot of people out there that have watched a lot more um, of Mikhailo Mudrik than I have. Um, what am I doing? I'm trying to zoom in on the Twitter page and I'm zooming in on another tab, which is no bloody good. Um, but I asked the question, Mudrik's goal at Celtic tonight was pretty special. Is he the winger 
Arsenal should be targeting. Uh, RJ says, yes, 100%, yes. Uh, Tulip says, would love Modric in Jan, but if not, then would like us to go for Zaha on a one-and-a-half-year deal. Um, interesting. Zaha on a one-and-a-half-year deal. I don't think he's going to... I think don't think he's going to go for that. Uh, Steve Liasis says he's begging for us. Looks electric. FPL Focus says it was a class goal. Uh, what he loves to do is run at people. Arsenal should definitely go in for him. Uh, Dell says, is he the new Zaha? Um, there were some questions about Locatelli thrown in there. It's really random. Um, ASD says, yep, absolutely. We should be looking for him. Um Reefski says he looks incredible, but most goals I've seen him score come from quick transitions. I don't want another Pepe. And then he says in brackets, not saying that he is. Um, I, I, I don't think there's anything to suggest that he's another Pepe. But you always... And, and listen, Pepe wasn't bad. He just cost way too much fucking money. And as a consequence of that, the expectation around him was way beyond... Um, you know, what was actually achievable. And that's why he will be regarded as a flop. If we paid 15 million pounds, 20 million pounds, maybe even 30 million pounds for Nicolas Pepe, the discontent around him wouldn't have even been half of what it has been. Um, Red and white AFC believes it'll be difficult to do that deal in January uh, because of the price. Anna says too expensive properly. Those are just uh, some of the responses. Jayesh says he's got great potential. I reckon he's gone up by another £20 million. And if we do buy a player in January, I think we'll go for a midfielder. All depends on what happens after the World Cup, I guess. I think for me, like obviously the midfield thing is important, right? And it's an area I always talk about. But I think when Zinchenko gets back fit, who's obviously an option in midfield, when Elneny gets back fit, I don't think that we'll see that as much of a priority as it is now. I think if we did, Arsenal would have gone out and addressed that in the summer. I I think that midfield is really important and it's probably where I would go first in the transfer market. But I've just got this feeling that the club are going to prioritise a wide man. I really do. I, I just think that's where they're probably leaning. But I could be wrong. It's just a hunch, just a guess. Uh, OK, let's take uh, some more of your uh, thoughts and questions from the live chat. Antoine says, Harry, I live abroad and I'm coming to London around the Newcastle game early January. What are the do's and don'ts about getting tickets when we don't have any Arsenal membership? Sign up to one. You can sign up for free and get um, people. To, if, you, if you're looking just to have tickets allocated to you, you can sign up for free, I'm pretty sure, or for a really low price and get whoever you buy the ticket off. If you manage to get hold of one to transfer it to you, because, you know, I, I don't want to tell anybody to go and buy it off a tout outside the stadium or anything like that, because you just don't know who you can trust. And I know that when people come from abroad, obviously their window in which they can attend an Arsenal game is much smaller. And as a consequence of that, a lot of the time they're quite happy to or willing to pay a little bit over the odds and when touts get wind of that and get hold of that well you know i mean they're they're pretty much assholes at the best of times but they're essentially gonna try and and you know get as much out of you as you can so my do's and don'ts would be try and buy a ticket as legitimately as possible sign up become a member keep your eyes on the ticket exchange have a look on twitter there are some good people that just sometimes can't go and pass up their tickets but i would try if you can and get them to 
transfer the ticket over to you just to be safe. Um, what else have we got? Uh, Let's see what else we've got. Uh, Steve says, rumours are that Edu has been offered a new contract. Do you feel that Arsenal are responding to reports other clubs are interested in him? So I've got to be honest about this. I don't really know or I didn't really know that Edu was on some sort of time-limited contract. Is he? I mean, like, for example, I've got a job, right? And I've got a contract as an employee. And that contract doesn't have an expiration date on it. But if they decide to get rid of me, I, they can. And if I decide to leave, I can. So I wonder if, you know, I think the way this has been kind of packaged has caused a lot of people to think that we're in danger of losing Edu in the not too distant future if we don't tie him down, i.e. in the way that you'd have to with a player where they can walk away for free. I don't think it works like that. What this is, is Arsenal probably wanting to reward Edu for the job that he's done, offering maybe a pay rise, whatever it is, to keep him at the club because there are sharks circling. And why wouldn't there be? He's done a great job alongside Mikel Arteta, of course, of really steadying the ship at Arsenal and putting us on the right path. So, yeah, I understand the interest um, for sure. Uh, but I just wanted to make that bit clear because I think um, a lot of people are of the impression, and I, you know, I'm pretty sure this is accurate what I'm saying, but I think a lot of people are under the impression that you know, it's like a player where, you know, if we don't sign him up by the end of the season, he's going to walk away on a free. Don't think it works like that. I think it's an employment contract, which is very different to a player's employment contract, which ultimately will have an expiration date on it. I don't think it's about running out of time with Edu. I think it's about giving him something that reflects his role and importance to the club right now. Uh, Moss says, uh, as well as Sergei Milinkovic, Savage rumours. Weston McKenney uh, is being linked as well. I don't want Weston McKenney anywhere near Arsenal. I just don't rate the guy. I'm sorry, I don't. Um, I look at that Juventus team with him in it. I know the team around him is bad as well, but I just think it's bang average. Not a fan of his. Don't think he'd be a good fit for Arsenal. Certainly isn't a Thomas Partey. Certainly isn't technically as good as Granit Xhaka or Martin Odegaard. I'm not interested in, in Weston McKenney. Not in the slightest. The other thing I would say, and, and we'll go back to this rumours bit again, is always have a look at where the source is coming from or, or who the source is. Because there are some sections of the media that are traditionally better, more reliable um, than others. And listen, I'm a big Italian football fan. I don't want to sort of shit on Italian football, but the Italian football media is probably one of the worst in terms of inaccurate rumours. So I wouldn't get too carried away by what you read with regards to stuff that comes out of Italy linking Italian-based players to the Premier League. Take it with a pinch of salt, my friend. Okay, um, I think I think I'm going to leave it there. Uh, thank you all so, so much. I haven't given you my prediction yet for PSV. My prediction is uh, if we play the team that I've gone with, is PSV 1, Arsenal 1. I think we'll get the point that we need. We'll win the group. We can go out there on Sunday, hopefully dispatch of Nottingham Forest, and then put our feet up against Zurich in the uh, in the sixth and final group game. Um, so, yeah, 
fingers crossed. And then we don't have to worry about the Europa League, I think, till is it February or March. It's quite some time. It's quite some time. Okay. Uh, thank you all so, so much for joining. I really, really uh, appreciate it, uh, as always. Uh, make sure that you leave a like on the video. Make sure you subscribe to the channel if you're new. Uh, make sure that you leave us a review if you're listening on audio. Don't forget to check out our membership proposition uh, by clicking on the link in the description. Uh, get over there, sign up, and we're going to be running competitions from next week in which we're going to be giving away a free month's membership if you win. We're also going to be gifting all of our existing members on another slice a free month's membership as well. We've worked out how to do it. We've got to the bottom of it. So if you are not a member, sign up now while we're giving away the free month's membership and you'll save yourself six quid. Um, so yeah, every little helps. Thank you all so, so much. I'll catch you all very, very soon. Until next time, take care of yourselves and stay safe. All the best. Goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler. And you're listening to Harry Simeon.